Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vakalskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. And I'm joined by Harry Bliss, who is a cartoonist, and he and the entertainer Steve Martin have put out a new book. It's called Number One is Walking, My Life in the Movies and Other Diversions. It is available everywhere and you know anything that steve martin and a new yorker cartoonist can put together you know it's going to be an entertaining project and harry jumping right into this this project i know you've worked with steve in the past and so how did this particular version of your art come about well initially uh steve had talked about doing um he had done a memoir born standing up um which is all prose and he you know, talked about doing a movie, kind of a memoir, something that moves further along into his movie career. And, but he really didn't have a lot of sort of long, long uh, form stories. And he said to me, but I do have anecdotes, you know, these sort of little pieces of hilarity and kind of interesting things about directors he's worked with over the years and actors and so forth. And um, we both kind of thought it really be fun to put these little anecdotes in, in comic strips, so that's that's the, the genesis of, of it. Well, the title itself, number one is walking, is an anecdote. Can you explain where that came from? Because it's not self-evident when you first look at it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's really kind of funny that, because uh, I didn't know this either, but on a movie set, you know, when you're the star of a movie, uh, they, they say, uh, you know, on set, through a megaphone, sort of, number one is walking, so... <laughs> They don't want to say your name, like Steve Martin is walking, because they don't want to sort of announce to everyone um, the actor or actress's name, so they just use numbers. So number one is walking, and with years um, later, he you know he became more successful. He was always number one, and he was very psyched. And then at a certain point, he did a film with Nancy Myers, uh, who directed it. Um, it's complicated, I believe it's called, with Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep. And in that particular anecdote. Uh, at the end, uh, he's, they say number three is walking, and he's freaked out because he's become, he's gone from number one to number three over the years, which is kind of funny. Kind of a self-deprecating uh, little jab, which is nice. Well, he got his start in stand-up comedy, and he had a real zany way about him, but he made the transition to movies, and I think of the, the fantastic movies he's been in over the years, and some of the emotions that he's shown, not just the comedy, but the, the very dramatic scenes. What is that like? At, that you took away from this for a comedian to make that transition with no real acting training to, to capture those emotions? Well, I mean, you get, I mean, you'd have to check in, ask Steve about that, but I know that he's, from what I know about him, and we've spent time together, um, he's, he's not a goofy guy. He's, he's a very serious guy. And I think you find that with a lot of comedians that it's not... It's not too tricky to make the, the turn from comedy to drama because I think a lot of comedy, I don't want to say it comes from trauma, but it comes from uh, deep thinking. And Steve Martin is a deep thinker, no question about it. Um, and that's what I love about him. He, he's able, that's what I love about his ability to look at paintings and discuss philosophy. Um, so I, I, it makes sense that he could he could turn and do those more serious roles. Like a good example is Parenthood for me. You know, he was so uh, profoundly real in that film as a as a father, deeply concerned about you know his family and his boy. 
uh, yeah, I, I'm so impressed with that myself. There is a little tool that you used in your drawings. There's a dog that's in this book that kind of helps the dog move along. And when you sit down to the project like this, it seems like you can't just storyboard out, you know, this happened on the set of The Jerk or this happened with planes, trains, and automobiles. But this dog really helps move the story along. Can you explain how the dog came into being here? Yeah, well, uh, the dog, well, sadly, was my dog, Penny. And uh, I had... My wife and I had Penny for 17 years, and Penny is, uh, was, um, you know, the muse for the book. But Penny, I loved, one of the things I loved really most about this was drawing Steve and Penny. And Steve, Steve's a huge dog lover. We both are. I mean, we're both, when my dog, when Penny passed, you know, I, Steve said to me, um, it's the worst thing ever. And he's right. I mean, it was such a profound loss for me, but using Penny and to introduce or move, uh, have a dialogue where uh, Steve and Penny are talking, it just seemed very sweet to me as a, as a device. I wasn't thinking of it as a device. It really just happened organically. When you draw celebrities, because, you know, obviously you draw Steve, you draw Diane Keaton, Martin Short, lots of actors in the book. You're drawing real people. And how is that process different than when you create a character for a simple Car, uh, simple one-off cartoon that you do when you try to capture that face? And do you go through several versions of it before you settle? All right, this is how I'm going to draw, say, Diane Keaton. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's super, it's not easy because um, I'm not a natural caricaturist. It, it's not something that um, I, I'm trained to do. And, and there are brilliant uh, artists out there who can do that. So it was a struggle for me, but um, and I did. Do, I would go through different variations, and I remember doing the one of John Candy for Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That that anecdote in the book, and I remember um, going online, and or no, I'm sorry, I watched the movie, and I waited for the the, the scene in the movie toward the end, and then I held my camera out and took a picture, a few pictures of John's face when the expression was just the right one I wanted. And then I worked from that um, toward the end of the anecdote in the book. But it was challenging, no question about it. it was, it's not easy to do that, and I have great respect for those, those people who, are, who can pull it off with, with great ease, like Mark Drucker, the great Mad Magazine um, artist. I'm chatting with Harry Bliss. He is a New Yorker cartoonist, and he and Steve Martin have collaborated on a book. Number one is Walking, My Life in the Movies and Other Diversions. You know, Harry, as I looked at your drawings in here, I kept thinking, when an author, when a writer who writes a book in prose, they need to edit something out, and, you know, they can, they can delete paragraphs, they can move things around and stuff like that. When you're drawing these cells for the story, is there a little bit different type of editing process when somebody says, we need to take this out? It's like, but God, I just drew all these cells for this particular story, and then it doesn't work. How does the editing process go for the, the drawings? Sure. Um, there are panels, just correcting you, because I'm, 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 you know, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, so cells refer to, like, movie cells. In, the, in this situation, comics are called panels. So in the, you're right, though. The panel, if someone, if Steve removes... Um, you know, a word, a speech balloon after I'd laid the whole thing out, yeah, it gets very tricky for me to, well, not very tricky, but then I have to kind of re reassemble um, the page. Fortunately, he's great, 
and he's so easy to work with, and we are both in service of um, the best possible scenario. So if, if Steve writes the, you know, he'll write it out and say there will be a work in that superfluous that is it's indicated in the drawing, and we don't need the word because it's just uh, like I said, it's superfluous. He's totally cool with me, me removing it. He has no problem, and that that kind of editing and composing of the strips that's done early on where I'm not in deep where I haven't done a fully rendered version of the anecdote I hope that makes sense so it's it's not too bad but if I had to go back in after doing a complete finished strip and remove uh, text or copy which did not happen in this book I'd be very unhappy <laughs> the the also the other thing I also wondered is when you get Steve's drawing down perfectly, or any other character who's going to be a recurring character in the book, as a cartoonist, is it a matter of can you copy and paste just like you can a complicated name so you don't have to keep retyping it? Or are you drawing each one of these panels? you having to start Steve from scratch each time. I, I definitely start from scratch each time, and I'm happy to say that I can, I can draw Steve from memory. <laughs> I've drawn him so many times. Um, it, he's trickier when I have to draw him when he's younger, when like he's in his thirties. You know, that's I have to kind of go back and study photographs and images of him. But now I could, you know, I could draw Steve in his sleep. <laughs> and Penny's the same way. I mean, uh, drawing the characters from my imagination. I've drawn Stephen Penny so many times that I don't need to look at anything to uh, to draw to draw them now. The, the last half of the book is a lot of your cartoons from, uh, I assume they were New Yorker or maybe just from other thoughts. And so what was your thought as far as your, adding this selection to the book? I mean, it seemed like it, there wasn't an overall theme of these cartoons, but yet I, about a third of them made me laugh out loud and, the, and all of them made me smile. Yeah. The, well, we we're, Steve and I are always doing cartoons. So uh, over the course of a week, you know, he'll send me an email. If he's out in the mo- road with Marty, um, I'm more likely to get something because maybe there's some downtime from a show. Um, but, yeah, he, he sent me a, a cartoon just the other day. Um, so we're always doing those. So there's, And then we had to go through them when we put this book together um, and then select the ones with our editor. Uh, we all, the three of us kind of sat down and, and selected the ones that we all agree were, were nice and you know the thing about the book is it's funny I just gave a copy to my wife where she got a copy and she's staying with friends and this, the, the, a couple and their 10 year old boy um, flipped through the book and he was, she said he was, he was laughing really enjoyed it so it's kind of a variety show I kind of look at the book as a, as a, as a variety show in some ways where um, I don't know a lot of, of different ages can get the gags and laugh at the gags but um, yeah Steve had a hand in each one of the cartoons that we see in here? Oh, yeah. Steve wrote all the cartoons. In fact, well, I would say Steve would have, he wrote most of the cartoons. And then the drawings, yeah, the cartoons are, I mean, essentially it's a, it's a Steve Martin book. I'm, I'm just drawn by me. Um, like, yeah, I, I will send Steve, uh, part of our process is for me to do a drawing, and I don't have a caption for it. And I'll send it to Steve to see if he has, a caption, and he'll write the caption, or write various captions, um, and then we'll 
select one to drop in there. But most of the cartoons are kind of Steve will send me, you know, the idea and the caption for the cartoon. A lot of the characters in the cartoons that don't have that have glasses on, you just don't see. I think it's most of them. You don't have you don't see eyes, and some cartoonists use eyes, some don't. What is your thought process between leaving the eyes off so the glasses, they look like the Little Orphan Annie cartoon with no eyeballs? Yeah, yeah, that's really funny that you mentioned that because um, a few people over the years have they've mentioned that, and I honestly I. I don't even know where I picked that up from. It may have been um, from my love of Saul Steinberg, who's a great New Yorker cartoonist. And I seem to recall him doing that. Some of his characters just had the circle with you couldn't see their eyes. It's not a device. It's not. It's completely organic and natural, and I don't know why I do it. I really don't. I mean, if you want to show expression... Um, the eyebrows, you don't really need to see the eyeball. I don't know. It's, it, I'm looking at the book now, and I'm seeing that, like, for example, yeah, when you see the, it's a Penny in Me is one of the strips, and it's a strip with where, where Steve teaches Penny how to fly. But I'm looking at, I'm wearing glasses, and Steve has glasses, and yeah, you're right. You can't see our eyes, and, but it works. I mean, I, I don't know why. It just feels natural to me. Is um, it, as a yeah. cartoonist, when you when you're drawing these these characters that you know, uh, is there a certain art to having the ability to, to to capture the expression that the person most usually has versus a happy or sad? I mean, could you draw a sad Steve versus a happy Steve just as easily, or is there is there a range of emotions that's harder to draw? Um, I think that it's not too difficult, but when you're talking about a specific person, like especially a celebrity, um, you know, a famous person, uh, it could get a little trickier. Um, but I, I do think a lot can be achieved in, you know, just the eyebrows or, or just lower the, the sides of the mouth, a slight frown. Lifting the eyebrows up will give them a sort of expression. And it's funny, I mean, if you look the one strip in there where it says it's called the dark underbelly of cartooning, which is probably one of my favorite strips. It's just a lot of fun. You can see a lot of that in there, where there's a lot of raised eyebrows. And I think there's, there's also one panel of me where my, you can actually see my eyes behind the glasses. Um, so there's a good range there um, of expression in, in all the characters or most of the characters. It, it's, there's really a, in cartooning, there's an economy of line, which is kind of important when it comes to getting the expressions. You really want to, less is more, but in the less is the more. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's very important and very difficult to do. Well, I absolutely enjoyed this book. It is called Number One is Walking, My Life in the Movies and Other Diversions by Steve Martin with drawings by Harry Bliss. The book is available now everywhere. Go check it out. And not only do you learn about Steve's life, but to to capture this with the drawings, it just adds so much more to it than if this would have been a, a strict prose book. And so, Harry, I just thank you for joining me to talk about this. I love this project. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Yes, indeed, and I'm talking.